0: Well, welcome to the Valley Hoops Insider off-season update portion of what we're doing in this off-season. And our guest today is the brand new commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, the 10th commissioner ever, Jeff Jackson. And Jeff, first, before we get started into talking to real knee-deep things that we're going to break down and and tear apart, tell us a little bit about you, your family, your children.
1: Oh, thanks first for having me this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you and all the uh, people who helped make the valley what it is. Um basically my history is pretty simple. I'm married to a beautiful woman by the name of Carolyn Michelle Skeet Jackson. We've been married for over 30 years. We have three children. They all live and reside in New York City. The youngest one is finishing up her education. The other two are in the work world. Um, my background is as I coached for about thirty years and then went over to what many would call the dark side in athletic <laughs> administration and uh Currently, now my uh, I guess my title beginning sometime in June will be uh, Commissioner of the Missouri Valley.
0: Tell us a little bit about how that transpired. Doug Elgin was, you know, getting ready to retire, and tell us a little bit about how you ended up with the Valley.
1: You know, it was, was kind of interesting. Um, being an ex basketball coach, you always uh, have a great appreciation for 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 the Valley in terms of just the stature and in all the things that make it what it is from a basketball vantage point um so when, when doug when it became known that doug was going to retire you know anybody who was doing what i what i was doing i'm sure took note um i was contacted by the search firm um they kind of started talking to me a little bit about what the position was what they were looking for what they what everything was going to entail um and and it's hard not to be intrigued it's hard not to be excited about it because uh it has such a great legacy it has such a great tradition it's such a basketball proven commodity uh and, and and again for someone with my background that that's pretty exciting and you know as you get to know it more intimately had a chance to spend time with uh, the presidents had a chance to spend time with people who made up the search committee obviously spending some time talking with doug you just again become more enamored with the possibility and uh just felt very fortunate to go through the process and then be honored with the selection
0: uh he is one of my favorite people on the planet so you have gigantic shoes there's, to there's fill. a
1: long list of people who consider doug elgin to be one of uh their favorite people on the <laughs> campus on, on, on the on the unif- in the universe so yeah. uh it, it's a long list and and you're right they're, they're giant shoes to fill and and, and, and not going to try, you know, I think what we're going to try and do is, is figure out the best things, evolve, continue to move forward, uh, keeping the, 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 the promise that our student athletes come first and we'll just take it from there
0: privately and talking to Doug, he told me he said, You are gonna love this guy. And he said the he said the skill set I had was important for that time. And he said what Jeff Jackson brings to the table is exactly what the valley needs now going forward. He has high praise for you.
1: Well I hope he's right. I hope I can live up <laughs> to expectations. Um you know I, I think the thing that's really neat for me is 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 Doug's done a fantastic job. But Harry, if you've been around us for a while you know, we've got a great staff. Uh, we've got some great people who have been here who are passionate about the Missouri Valley and and, and what what we're hoping to, you know, achieve and uh, arch madness. You know, there's so many things that are unique and special about this conference that I'm looking forward to continuing to move forward and uh, continue to be part
0: of. You come with a unique background. You mentioned your coaching background and, and particularly in basketball, you were an athlete yourself at Cornell. And and, uh, and then there at the Big 12 uh, in charge of or facilitating the men's basketball side of the Big 12, as well as the basketball tournament. Huge, important. All those are huge, important issues for a basketball centric league like the Valley that builds so much into Arch Madness and has done so much of hosting NCAA tournaments here in St. Louis and other places. Your skill set uh, seems to mesh Perfectly. Is that was was some of the the drive or or the allure for you?
1: Well, hopefully it was the allure for them. I don't think I would have been as prominent of a candidate if it wasn't for my basketball background. Um, I I think that's pretty easy to assess. Um, There's no question that basketball uh, is important to the success of the Valley, not only from basketball as a singular entity, but also in terms of being able to impact our other sports in a positive vein. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and having the background of, of coming from a conference like the Big 12, which I think many people consider to be the premier basketball conference in the country, it allowed me to be exposed to you know, a lot of different things. As you spoke earlier, you know the, the tournament that we run in Kansas City, um, the level of coaching that we have, seeing what a good culture and a good program looks like, um, having the experience of having been a head coach myself. I think all those things probably, you know, created a confluence where uh, they were comfortable with what I would bring to the table. And, and what I would also think was probably a positive was even though I've, I'm somewhat basketball centric, being in the Big 12, working with Commissioner Bowlesby. I had the opportunity to be exposed to a lot of different things, whether it was our Olympic sports, whether it was uh, our our interaction with our CEOs, our interaction with our athletic directors, our interactions with our uh, multimedia partners, our broadcast partners, you know. So, again, basketball is going to be important, but I'm really looking forward to involving myself with all of the aspects that make the Valley a great conference.
0: Uh, So earlier this spring, you had a team win the national championship in basketball there in the Big 12. And then yesterday, a Missouri Valley Football Conference player gets drafted, whatever it was, third, fourth, fifth. Third, Yeah. uh, So there's there's heady things that have been surrounding everything you've been, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, somewhat a part of. Um, You're a young man. And yet tomorrow you get older. Happy birthday tomorrow. Yeah. yeah,
1: Let's just keep that between. (laughs) How, how, How about we do that? We keep that on the
0: down low uh so what what will be the process for you and your family in terms of moving here to st louis you know, we're i actually, assume we're
1: actually in st louis right now and, and we're looking around trying to find a place to live
0: um and you know
1: yeah really enjoying it and i know it's not as vibrant and what i think we're going to see in three four months where we're spending a lot of time downtown um been you know hitting some pretty nice restaurants and things of that nature so uh, just trying to learn st louis and get a better feel for it and you know all the things that make it a unique place.
0: It's unique, and yet, you know, when I'm, I'm, a, I'm you know, born and raised, right? And so it just seems like home, right? You know, and mm-hmm. so every every city has its own flavor. Uh, your time coaching, with that element of what you did basketball wise, coaching and, and playing, uh, how do you think that helps you connect with the coaches and the individual basketball programs?
1: Well, you know, I I had the chance yesterday to audit. Um, both of the, women, the women's basketball coaches meeting um, in the Valley and, and also the men. And you know, I think from a coaching vantage point, it gives me a little bit of advantage in how I come to uh, some of the thoughts, or some of the opinions or some of the resolutions that we may reach when we're dealing with topics. Uh, I'm probably going to have a little bit more of a sense of uh, what people are dealing with on their campuses um, what people are dealing with in the recruiting process, what people are dealing with in just the normal day-to-day maintenance of their programs. And, and, and we'll bring that to the, to the conference office and it'll help inform how we make some of our decisions and how we help figure out the best ways to serve and, and, and care for our membership.
0: Uh, I want to get to some current event kinds of questions. But first, uh, trying to get to know you a little bit, who are those people that have been influences, mentors, uh, those people that you've drawn some direction in your life from?
1: You know, I've been really fortunate. It's just like anything. uh, You learn in every experience. Sometimes those experiences are positive. Sometimes those experiences are negative. But for the position I have now to have spent the last two and a half years um, working under the tutelage of Bob Bowlesby, as the commissioner of the Big 12 and then his deputy commissioner, Tim Weiser uh, has simply been invaluable. Um, The fact that both of them have been athletic directors in the campus environment and the fact that uh, they have so much information, so much experience in regards to the administering of a conference. And in Bob's case, on the national forefront, uh, there's just so many things that you have a chance to talk about. So many things that you are exposed to so many conversations that you're having, uh, that even now in the short period of time that I've at least had been a commissioner in waiting, I'm already drawing on those experiences. So, you know, it's hard not to look past those two in terms of uh, especially the, the impact on the position that I currently have.
0: And, and then uh, you're a New York guy, I think, growing up. Am I correct about grew that? grew up in New
1: York. Haven't haven't been there uh, on a consistent basis in a long time. But But both myself and my wife grew up in New
0: York City what what do you take from that experience and i don't know when you left there but uh you know here in the midwest new york seems almost like a foreign country and so what what do you think uh, what, what 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 do you bring along with you in terms of your your growing up in new york you know i don't know
1: I, we we probably have tried to leave a lot of what we learned growing <laughs> up in new york in new york um it, it's, it's a unique environment you know it's kind of ironic all three of our children live in new york city and you know, I don't think uh, myself or my wife would ever really consider going back there to live. But again, it's different time, different place, and they're at a different stage of life. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know if we've learned much that that will uh, translate to our experiences in St. Louis from New York City, other than uh, uh, just try and be nice to people and that'll probably get you a little bit
0: further. <laughs> so I want to go to some current events, get your thoughts on a couple of different things. Uh, we are in what I call a pandemic, a portal pandemic, you know, with the the massive amounts of young players that are transferring due to the, what we think is the immediate eligibility question uh, issue in college basketball, college football as well. Um, and yet they, gave, they brought out some uh, guidelines in this recent couple of days saying, well, maybe there won't be eligible. Maybe they will be. Um, the immediate ability for guys to transfer and be eligible. Your thoughts just about that and how that's going to play out.
1: Well, one, I, I think right now we're in a process where there's, there's probably a little bit of a, uh, the NCAA uh, people in my position need to do a better job of being clear in terms of just what student athletes can and cannot do. And some of that is still being fleshed out from a legislative vantage point. Uh, But the intent is is very simple. The the, the intent is that a student athlete, after he makes his first decision coming out of high school or coming out of a junior college, they will have one opportunity uh, during the tenure, their academic undergraduate days, to transfer without penalty, without having to do a year residency, which is consistent with 25 of the 30 sports or 26 of the 31 sports that participate in the NCAA. It was only women's basketball, men's basketball, uh, football, I believe hockey, and maybe one other sport that did not have that access. I think what we've all learned over the last four or five years, especially with, with great you know, purpose, is that we wanna make sure we're, we're treating our student athletes and our young men and women on, on equal footing. Um, and so I think it was important that we got to this point. Now, I think what we're seeing is, you know, a little bit of, hey, first time out, you know, so people are looking at it maybe not as clearly as we would like to see them. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. We've got a lot of people who have already transferred are now going back into the portal. I think their assumption is that they're going to be able to take advantage of this. This, uh, how I would call exclusion from the year of residency is only if you haven't transferred before. So we really don't expect those athletes to be able to uh, transfer without having to do a year of residency. Obviously, we still have the graduate rule. And when you have the graduate rule, that means if you've completed your degree work, you still can transfer and not have to do a year of residency. So you have that. And then you also have the fact that the NCAA has granted athletes an extra year. Mm -hmm. Basically, this season did not count. So you kind of have a, a, a confluence of issues that you're not going to see, hopefully we're not going to see, in, in next season or the season after. So, yeah, you do have a few more student-athletes in the portal than you normally would. Um, but I think over time everything will smooth out and the coaches will adjust, student-athletes will adjust, and uh, we'll get back to what maybe those who really scrutinize the issue will consider more of a sense of normalcy.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess when that report came out earlier this week and they said, oh, if you've transferred before, you're not really eligible for this immediate eligibility, and I think a lot of people did misunderstand that and maybe jumped into the portal a little more quickly than they should have. Well,
1: and again, you also want to be clear on that. You, if you graduated, right, right. you then can transfer and not have to go through that year of residency. But I think if we're looking at the whole picture, we would like to get to a point and, and I'm a member of the Men's Basketball Oversight Committee, I think we would like to get to a point where every student athlete has a chance to transfer once, just like all the other sports, and they don't have to do the year of residency. We would like to see the graduate rule be part of that that process. In other words, it's one time, whether it's undergraduate or graduate. Hmm. But we want to give them the chance to, to make a second decision if that first decision wasn't what they anticipated. I think we all understand at 17 or 18, we can make a decision that maybe didn't go the way that it should have. And we, and we don't want to limit their mobility. We don't want to limit their options. But I think the thing that, that scares me a little bit, and I think makes coaches anxious, makes administrators anxious, makes uh, commissioners anxious, is that part of the growing up process in the collegiate environment is learning how to deal with adversity.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think
1: we're all a little bit concerned about that. the first time something goes awry, the first thing signs something doesn't go your way, Uh, there's that immediate reach into the transfer portal because you think the grass is going to be greener on the other side. And I think as student athletes start to realize that, you know, playing at one institution really isn't all that different than playing at another institution. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be a certain responsibility level that you're going to have to, you know, deal with. There's always going to be a certain accountability that you're going to have to deal with. We'll see a a calming down in the process and, and we'll see a more purposeful act in regards to why people choose to stay at an institution or depart an institution.
0: The government is involved in this whole name, image, and license uh, likeness uh, issue, and some of those things have been coming forth this week as well. And maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year. There's some confusion about that. Just your thoughts about the nil, NIL things that are they're on the way, one way or another, they're on the way. And I think everybody thinks there's there's positives in that. Just where's that at, and, and how do you feel about that?
1: I think that's just the process of of the evolution of of the collegiate model um, and nil name image and likeness is here it's going to be here to stay i think none of i, I think most administrators coaches understand hey if a student athlete can enhance themselves financially um, in ways that do not impact the collegiate model that do not impact the recruiting process we we don't begrudge them that we just want to make sure that we're keeping it out of those uh genres so to speak i think the big thing is whether we can get it to a national level where everybody's got the same rules. There's, there's a governance process that we all could adhere to, that we all can understand, that we all can have a feel for. We're going to need some help governmentally in order to make that done. We, because right now, as you know, we probably got somewhere between 25 and 35 states who have already uh, mm-hmm. put forth legislation um, that would uh, implement the ability for student-athletes to take advantage of NIL. And the rule in Florida is going to be different than the rule in Mississippi, and it's going to be different than the rule in Connecticut, and it's going to be different than the rule in California. And I think we're all going to be better off if we're all kind of playing under the same rules. So I think we're hopeful that over the next two or three months uh, to working with the NCAA and working through with, with Congress, that we can get to a point where we've got one set of rules that everybody can abide by.
0: Uh, going back to the Missouri Valley Conference, what excites you? about this job. I, there could be 50 things, but what are two or three of the things that really excite you about becoming uh, the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference? I, I
1: think so far it's been easy. It's been the people that I've been able to account, whether it's been our presidents or our, our staff or our ADs or our coaches, and I think that the quality of our student-athletes. You know, The fact that we're able to represent a conference that can go in the student-athletes' home and really look kids in the eye and promise them a great experience athletically and a great experience athletically and a great experience socially. And I think having a chance to in some way represent that on a consistent basis day in and day out, uh, is an exciting, exciting, uh, uh, you know, uh, process or, 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 or thing to do on, on a consistent basis. Uh,
0: and so the big 12 obviously is a, just a gigantically prominent conference in, in many ways. Uh, What are you leaving behind? What, what, what did you love about that job? I like to know what people liked about what they used to do. I mean, you're still kind of doing it, Uh, but on the way. I was
1: really really fortunate. The best thing I liked about the big 12 was the people I worked with on the day-to-day basis. Um, You know, having a chance to work with uh, commissioner Bowlesby, the deputy commissioner, Tim Weiser, uh, some of my counterparts at the executive uh, associate, you know, commissioner level on a day-to-day basis. It it was, you, you had a team and, you know we had a goal and i think we really looked at things and we really tried to solve issues in a pragmatic um, fashion that would benefit our membership i think the one thing you learn working in an office like the big 12 is it's not about the office it's not about the people who work in the office it's about the membership it's about figuring out what they want and figuring out the best way to serve their aims because the challenges that they face especially when you're trying to play athletics during the during the course of a pandemic are Monumental, And anything we can do in, in some small way or some big way uh, to help make their jobs and their tasks a little bit easier, we'll make sure we're doing those things. And I think that was probably the best thing about the Big 12 is that on a day-to-day basis, that was legitimately what we tried to do.
0: What kinds of things do you see, maybe uh, I should say this positively, that are opportunities for growth in the Valley versus obstacles? You know, maybe obstacles and opportunities are the same thing sometimes. Uh, what What's lying ahead for the Valley in terms of its ability to grow and uh, continue to do what it's doing, but do it maybe better, more successfully? You know, I think in
1: my case, Harry, that's still to be determined. You know, I think, you know, I'm, you know, uh, it's kind of an interesting thought, but, you know, the way I'm looking at this is, is I'm looking forward that when I start in June, you know, spending the next few months having a chance to get to our campuses, to have time to sit down with our presidents, to sit down with our athletic directors, our, our SWAs, our student-athletes, and start to get a better sense of what it's like uh, to be a student-athlete at Drake. You know, what is it like to be a student-athlete at Bradley? You know, what is it like to be a student-athlete at Missouri State? You know, I don't know that yet. Mm -hmm. And so to come in and then try and make an an assessment of, okay, we should do this or we should do that before you have a chance to garner that information, uh, I I think would be premature.
0: And so in your conversations with Doug or Jack Watkins or Mike, some of the guys in the office there, what kinds of things are they uh, have maybe have begun to share with you about, well, we're looking to grow this or or, uh, progress in a certain direction?
1: I think a lot of things. I think we're constantly talking about ways that we can make things better, make things easier, make things more proficient. But uh, I, I think some of the intimate things, which I think you're trying to get in this conversation, ah, uh, I'm not ready to share yet. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll squeeze it out to one of the other guys. The uh, And and, and I, I, I'll throw one other kind of final other question out there. A couple of years ago when when uh, Valparaiso joined the league, there was a whole lot of conversation about – Growing from maybe ten to twelve uh, teams in the in the valley, and and uh, and and there's still those rumblings out there in the fan bases, like man, maybe, maybe we ought to add some more teams. And and I know there's always con- conversation about teams moving and coming and going. uh University of Missouri just put their wrestling program back in the Big Twelve, though they're in the SEC. I mean, there's just things like that that seem to be shifting all the time. The landscape seems to shift on a consistent basis, and and I wonder if you have any thoughts about progressing forward in, in, in terms of growth of the league numerically?
1: Well, I just came from a 10 team league that seems to be existing pretty well. And, and obviously that's the numerical status of, of the Valley. But mm-hmm. you know, I think in this day and age, you're always mindful and you're always aware of what's going on around you in the environment. And, you know, I think that the Valley is a great conference and I'm sure there are a bevy of institutions who look at the Valley that and, and think that it would be a great place for them to house their programs. Um, Based on the success you saw this year on both sides, basketball, we had multiple bids in the NCAA tournament, Uh, the success of our baseball, the success of our volleyball, our track and field, you know, the fact that I think we operate on such a professional level because of Doug's leadership. I, I think there's a lot of reasons that teams from the outside would be curious about you know, is the Missouri Valley uh, a place that they should be considering for their institutions? But, you know, I think the most important thing for us is is to work day and day to make sure that we're maintaining the institutions that we have in terms of serving them correctly. But again, if the right institution was to appear and it was something that our presidents thought could enhance the Valley um, and enhance our presence in regards to what we want to do for our student athletes, I'm sure we would be open-minded about that.
0: Well, here at valleyhoopsinsider.com, we are just gigantic fans of the Missouri Valley Conference and and all that's going on. They're so glad that uh, you are the new commissioner in the league. Wish you nothing but the best. Really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you, Harry. Looking forward to meeting you and and hopefully face-to-face as soon as we can get out of this uh, pandemic.
0: I hope so, too. That's Jeff Jackson. He's the brand-new Missouri Valley Conference commissioner. That'll do it for us today. Remember, since you've been there, make it a better place. We'll see you again real soon.